Welcome back to Splunk Talk, 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 talk. I'm Birch, your host for today with my co-host. That's me. I'm, I'm Hal over here. <laughs> Hal, and we have uh, two special guests for today's episode, our conf uh, marathon of topics. Today we have Giovanni and we have Greg, and we're going to be talking all about I guess the platform, DSP, workload management, all that fun and all that jazz. Uh, so let's kick into it. Hal, how has your uh, reception of the keynote been? Uh, it, it was pretty cool. I mean, I was worried a little bit about the platform for a minute there, but everything worked out fine. Um, I saw in, in one of the internal chats, people, uh, somebody mentioned, you know, I've never been to a live conf, you know, in person before, but this is really pretty cool. Yeah, so that was pretty neat to hear from a customer. Um, chat room, yes, please. I see first note there. Um, we love to have interactivity, so please uh, ask questions. Help us interact with the guests who we'll introduce formally in a moment. Um, don't forget, uh, we are a podcast that exists before and during and after uh, this show that you're watching right now. So it is called Splunk Talk, and you can find us on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and, and all of the things. So... Um, Shall we get into it, Birch, or what are your thoughts on the show this morning uh, so far? Uh, awesome. I uh, I feel I, I maybe feel bad for anyone watching the replays. It looked like they that may not include stuff like the Jabberwockies and Shin Lim. Um, definitely loving Quest love. The, yeah, Quest Love. Uh, I'm definitely loving um, the set that they're using mm -hmm. uh it just makes it feel like more of a show than just you know like a, another business meeting yeah um and this is the way yeah so go to conf.splunk.com if you just are hitting us from from twitch i mean that's cool we love you but the the big show is over there as well so let's meet our guests let's so uh let's we've got uh geo mola and greg daly um geo why don't you go first tell us just a little bit about yourself yeah, sure. Uh, so I joined Splunk about four years ago. I started out in the field doing professional services. And then about two years ago, I joined the technical marketing team. And since then, I've been having the pleasure of telling the Splunk story through demos and different product showcases. Awesome. We will get back to you on, on what those things mean in detail. Greg, uh, tell us about yourself. Hi, um, I'm Greg. I'm uh now a Splunker. I was a Splunk user uh, before I came to the company. Uh, been with the company about a uh, year and a half now, uh, all with uh, technical marketing, all working with uh, Geo, which has been great. Um, I specialize in uh, platform security and stream processing and um, uh, performance. So we're going to talk a little bit about that too. And um, fun fact about Greg, Greg has the other only printer that still exists be besides mine. <laughs> Actually, it's powered off. It's been powered off for a year. <laughs> wait, wait, to, wait to leave me on my own on that one, dude. So, Birch, yeah, why mine, do you still have a printer? Mine's powered off, too. I didn't just replace the ink cartridge to print out some of this cool comp swag. <laughs> hey, that trifold was sick. That what? The trifold, you know. The search reference guide, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, but this is the Conf, the Conf 20 bingo. So on Twitter, they posted um, that there's like an entire, there's a coloring book. 
there's a, a bingo game you can play, and, and we're actually in the, the corner here, so I'm starting oh, okay. my bingo game. Neat. And there's also um, uh, a four conf-specific mixed drinks, which I've already laminated. <laughs> Are you going to be practicing? Having all of them in games? one sitting, yes. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> so a quick, sh- a quick shout out uh, yeah, to yeah. anybody in the Splunk Trust listening. Um, I was former trust uh, Splunk Trust member uh, before I came to Splunk. Awesome. And yesterday I was reintroduced as an honorary Splunk trustee. So um, if anybody in the Splunk Trust is listening, welcome. Congratulations, and I'm sure they are. We had a bunch of them this morning. Hopefully they are. Uh, we'll start uh, any moment now chiming in in the chat like they do. So let's get into kind of, um, first of all, what, technical marketing. Pick one, guys. Which one is it? <laughs> Uh, are you like i get that question all the time you know i mean what does it really mean yeah what geo what what is technical marketing to you um i mean to me technical marketing is it's it's being a technical evangelist for a product um you're you're telling the splunk or any product story through technical um technical messaging as well as technical demonstration and Greg, you can add to that if you, if you have any more color. Well, I, I I will add. I get paid now to do what I was already doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. I've been talking up Splunk for years, and now I get paid to do it. It's wonderful. <laughs> nice, Greg. Did it? If I'm not mistaken, it didn't hit me until just now. I don't know why. Did we meet at um, Conf last year uh, yes, at the DSP booth? We had extended conversation with one of, one of my customers. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Okay. Well, then shout out to Jason Spears if he's around and the guys, Brian Brake and John Lim. Uh, they have uh, I've been worked, on, worked very closely with them for, for years. Uh, and that was a conversation about DSP, which I think we're probably going to get into a little bit. So, yeah, let's talk about, about DSP. I mean, we just heard a bunch of announcements. What, what, what are the things that you guys are excited about? doesn't have to be the top exciting thing, but something exciting regarding DSP and our overall platform orientation. Yeah, I mean, and, and Greg can add on to this, but this is something we've talked about a bunch is lookups on the stream and how expansive you can get with the amount of records that you can do. Like as of right now with this release of 1.2, we're doing, you can do up to seven and a half million records for at the millisecond level, which is just insane. So we're gonna, we probably need to back up because not everybody has heard of or used DSP. It's still relatively yeah. new as a product. So, so um, isn't um, lookups on the stream a Dolly Parton song? Let's start. There. Yeah, <laughs> I believe you're correct. Co-written by Kenny Rogers. Yeah, yeah. producers, can can we can we cue that up? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, so who who wants to explain in you know kind of the thirty second version of what the heck Splunk is doing with DSP? And this is funny because it's actually pretty close to my day job, so I could answer. But this is not about me. This is about Geo and Greg. Um, yeah, sure. So DS, data stream processor, it's really just about taking advantage of data that is, is really coming in at really fine low levels. So think about data that is tr- transacting at a millisecond level speed, something that you want to a- take action on really quickly and Sometimes Splunk Enterprise searches would be something that you would do post um, post query analysis on, and I think with with DSP you're able to to do more real time 
than you were before with Splunk Enterprise. And it's not necessarily saying that Splunk Enterprise doesn't do real-time um, searches and queries. It most certainly does. So, I mean, we're talking to a, a technical audience right now. So we should go into a little bit of, like, can you not do – I mean, there's a, there's a real-time search option in Splunk Enterprise. I mean, Greg, what does it do? Is it not real-time? Yeah, come on, guys. Tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> no, the – the the advantage of stream processing is you're able to combine multiple traffic routes okay you you can grab data from multiple sources and deliver them to multiple sinks or destinations okay and what you can do on the stream again in in a in a millisecond range we're not talking about just sub second we're talking about on the millisecond processing you can do a whole list of things and enrich the data um check the data uh, check the data for things like uh, PII, you know, private information you don't want to end up on your uh, indexers because of regulatory uh, issues or company policies. It gives you the ability to expand what is going on at the point of ingest. So if you have a, a source coming in, you can do stats, you can do lookups, you can do unbounded ML. You can um, reformat the data, present the data as a metric, and then present it to any destination you want, which could be Splunk, clusters, indexers, S3, or looping back into Kafka topics so you can in create intelligence loops. So it sounds like, I'm going to really challenge you guys. It, it sounds like a lot of like cool tech, but I, I don't understand. Like I used to be a customer if I'm a customer today and I'm hearing about this, I'm like, okay, that's, that all sounds cool. But like, what, why would I care? Like, how is this? I mean, different? I can already do some of that in Splunk. Can't yeah. I, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, like, okay, I can wait. So I guess maybe this is, I can't wait well, for that data that you yeah, can why, wait. Why does the millisecond part matter? I think it really just depends on the use case. Like, ah. do you have security incidents that need response at the, at the millisecond level? Do you have long running searches that are running in Splunk Enterprise that you want to offload into data stream processors so you can make more room for doing ad hoc searches and dashboarding or bring more data into Splunk Enterprise and offload some of that data into DSP? So there's this, uh, this balancing act that you can take by leveraging DSP for some things and making more room for Splunk Enterprise for the other things. So okay. let me see if I, I follow that. Like the last part you talked about, I could theoretically take a stream of data coming in and maybe I need just a subset of the payload in, in each of the events, or I just need like a metric or a sampling of it or something. I don't need the full fidelity. And, and traditionally, I would just index all of that. And when I start to run massive searches on it over a significant amount of time, the performance maybe different than running over like the last 15 minutes or the last seven days or whatever. So rather than having to keep the full payload of everything, I can use DSP to say, you know what? I just need aggregate metrics of this sent into Splunk. It's almost like the summary indexing kind of, kind of approach where I can now search on a, a subset of that uh, in a more performant way. I also don't need to retain all of that data because I didn't necessarily need it. Is that a potential use case? That's yeah, exact exactly. Case. Oh, awesome. Yeah, you, 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 wanna, you want the ability with stream processor, you want the ability to take certain sets of data and optimize them for various purposes. 
Okay. And it may be, um, let's say in a, a DNS security scenario, you, you're, you're extracting all these domain names and all these IP addresses. And at the same time, your stock is producing um, warning lists and, 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 and uh, block lists of, of certain threats. You know, we, we know you should not be taking spoofing domain names, uh, like uh, the one I saw last week, netflixbill.com. That's not Netflix. <laughs> they just want your credit card. Um, to do those on the stream, you, you can reduce your um, time to create a searchable event or a searchable matrix a lot faster than you can in virtually any other technique or method. So this allows you to bring in data at that millisecond la uh, uh, layer, enrich it, format it and then deliver it in the exact syntax including matrices that work best for your splunk d operations your search operations so interesting it's like in in a traditional splunk approach we do you know write the data and then search it and and when you search it it's schema on the fly so you can do very flexible things with it but what i'm hearing from you is with DSP, it's like it's it's like proactive instead of reactive. Instead of waiting for the data to be on disk and then searching it in aggregate reactively after it came in, we can do things like, okay, the data is coming in. How does the payload of that data trigger any sort of actionable thing or security issue? Or we use ML to notice the trending of that relative to everything else um, as it's coming in as we're seeing it, not waiting for it to come in and then searching retroactively on it. Am I getting that right? That was a really yeah, long sentence. One? No, I think can you, you got that. Can you repeat it backwards? Uh, <laughs> yes, that I, DSP, no, no. is it, it, it yeah. is. <laughs> so Birch, I think what you're saying, it brings up a really good point because I, Thank I feel you. like- because I feel like once you once you've gotten your data into Splunk Enterprise and you've you've trusted that query that SPL you've written and you know exactly what you want from it, then you can take that mentality like you've done your search part of the process and now you just want to offload that workload somewhere else because you want it to run consistently and you don't want to bear the brunt of waiting for a search to process. So if you just start there and you start taking all of these scheduled searches, all of these things that you already know about your data, and you start putting that on the stream, then you're just making more room for yourself to, to work more freely in Splunk Enterprise. And you're delivering those insights faster from DSP. And the cool thing about DSP is you can fork data really easily with the routing like, capabilities. Like language, kids are watching this. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the point I was gonna make, Geo, is, is sometimes your, your, your knowledge object customer has different needs. The SOC may be different from your IT admin versus your business analyst, okay? Um, you may have audit, audit uh, requirements. Uh, your, your, your corporate auditors say, um, when it comes to security logs, you can't parse, okay? You've gotta store the originals. So one of those copies can be fired out to S3 for cold storage archive. Then one copy can go through a matrix style system where let's take, uh, I'm an old Windows guy from way back, Windows event security logs, complete nightmare, especially when you're collecting them via XML, okay? Real bear to ingest a very expensive system to, to get that data in. 
you can take the raw data, go up to S3. You can take a matrix feed and give it directly to the SOC that has specific, you know, users, event codes, timestamps. Um, they don't need the message block because that's just the knowledge base article repeated in every. That's one of the biggest reasons Windows security events are so big is they like repeating the knowledge base articles in in, in the message block. So you don't have to deliver that large or, or or dense content when you know that they need A, B, C, D, and they're done. It's a good example. Um, Hal, I'm, I'm noticing uh, we're seeing a, a really nice amount of talk about Smile and, and some of the other core uh, yeah, we should here. probably get to some of the other goodies. Um, yeah, Ooh, because goodies. there is we have more than one product now. We haven't yeah. actually huh? talked about Splunk Enterprise yet. So, you know, Gio, you want to lead us off with with kind of what's new and cool with with Splunk Enterprise, which I think they just dropped the bits today, didn't they? Yes, I saw it went live this morning. I already installed all the universal forwarders. One? Eight one. I was telling Greg he was going to have the honor of, of giving us the, the pitch oh. on Smoke Enterprise, so I'll pass that right off to him. Go for it. You're so sweet. Well, one thing, I'm going to I'm gonna have a, a sort of a, a, a precursor here. I, I looked at product telemetry a couple of weeks back, and a lot of customers, uh, for various reasons, uh, are still on some older versions of our software. I, I, I implore everybody to make plans, uh, gather those resources, upgrade to version eight. Okay. What eight and now eight one release today is going to give you over the older versions, six and seven, installing eight is going to give you about a 20 to 25% performance boost right out of the box. Wow. Okay? They don't have to do anything. They don't have to do anything. Okay. Hmm. And if you're running uh, the new infrastructure licenses, the vCPU licensing, Mm -hmm. uh, where you're where you're 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 putting all your your expense load to um, the search capacity, then you want definitely want to be on eight, even though the things like workload management were in seven, you, you definitely want to be on eight, because when you start adding all these features together, like and the performance increase, then you're definitely going to be one on eight. It's you're, you're you're throwing away virtual cores by not running eight, I guess mm. is my point. I didn't. Yeah, that's a pretty neat proposition where uh, some of you or most of you are paying your licenses based on the amount of data that you ingest. But as you mentioned, this VCPU program, you could be paying by the kind of the size of the infrastructure. So upgrading yes. gives you more efficiency there. Cool, cool. So you mentioned workload management. Um, do we know how many people are using that and for what and, and why do they start in the beginning? Workload management. Um, is, is a great tool because you can start simple for the simple problems everybody has. I don't care if you're running a simple, you know, one indexer, one search head in a in a small shop, or you're running a big super cluster of indexers and search heads. We all have the same administrative problems. Okay. Like I said, I'm an old IT guy from way, way back. You've always got good users, and then you have the users who need more training. <laughs> Okay, and workload management at its basic form can be used as a training tool. Okay, you have users who don't understand the syntax requirements of a good search in SPL. Mm -hmm. Can you SPL? <laughs> so when when you have um, especially ad hoc searches that are written with, you know, not the best syntax, you could create a, what's what we call a runaway search. Okay, searches that can go on for 
10, 15, 20 minutes, and they produce very little answers. Okay, the search product is tiny. Okay, when now that one, that's a that solo asylum song. <laughs> <laughs> Runaway search. Oh, I yeah. thought you were talking about that small answers uh, dig there. Jeez, personal. So when you have a tool like workload management, um, you, you now get to partition the CPU resources for both indexing and search capacity. And then you get to you provide granular rules based on groups, based on roles, based on indexes, based on source types. And you can, um, you know, the, the, the famous one, if you ever worked in a Splunk cluster, the, the search we all dread. Everybody raise their hand if you've seen this one. Index equals star. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry, Search. are you saying that's wrong? There's something wrong with that? <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> and what do you think that time picker to? Where, how do you yes. start? All time. All times index all time. star. And if, and if you have one of those runtime equals all and, and index equals star, just kill the search. I usually it's, make those a real-time search as well. <laughs> <laughs> There's like two or three new users like, okay, switching some of my searches now. <laughs> So in one of the, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Tell, tell me what it takes to set this up. Um, mm. I, I know that the kind of the, the way that we built this, the architecture underneath it, it has some specific uh, operating system requirements um, that kind of make it function. Are y'all into uh, what that is? Yeah, you, you, you have to, um, if, if you're not familiar with C groups in Linux, um, break out the manual. It's time to RTFM because <laughs> C groups are very, very important to how you're going to assign these pools and then the roles and rules onto workload management. Okay. So if you don't understand the C group formats and, and configurations, definitely study up on that first. It's, so is it's, it, is it kind of like uh, workload management is providing like a, a Splunk specific interface on manipulating those C groups on the underlying OS. That's exactly what it's doing. <laughs> yes. Okay, okay, cool. So then you assign a, uh, a, a user to a role and then you provision that role with whatever you want to give them in terms of, well, what can you give them? What can you give to a role? Well, let's start again with some very simple examples. Let's say if you have, um, uh, you know, the, the biggest use case obviously is, is your normal business hours, you know, sort of, you know, zero 800 hours to 1800 hours in the evening, local, wherever you are. So during those hours, what you don't want to see is a lot of non-admins running index something, but no declarations of source types. Okay. Or, you know, the, go back to the dreaded. They don't have card. many filters in their search. So, exactly. you know, it's going to be scanning a lot of rows. Yeah. And then when you, when the, when you have, a lot of rows inbound, but then you also do something like all time. You can do two different things. Actually, you can do basically three different things with, with a search like that. One, you can simply warn the user. Maybe you're in small environment and you just started taking data and these exploratory searches really don't cost you that much. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you just put up a little prompt on the web browser and saying, Hey, this search isn't the greatest. You should, you know, refer to this internal website that tells you how to put your syntax in a little better. You can do things called, and is, this is, is that, I'm sorry to interrupt. What is that called? Is that specifically a feature of workload management? I, this one is new to me. I, I'm sorry. How is that? What is that called? Is that like a banner? Uh, it's, you, uh, um, um, what is it called? <laughs> you've given me something that now I want to go research further. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and 
so but that's a specifically a feature of workload that, that's a specifically a workload rule okay cool mm. yeah, so if the search runs pay. longer than a minute how then you would get the banner that drops down and then it would notify the user or you could immediately kill the search right there okay. neat well, let's say birch that's, is that's like the that's like the newman thing in jurassic park uh, uh, uh. <laughs> na, na, na. <laughs> let's say birch is in security and hal is in it Okay. Oh, this company's going down. <laughs> <laughs> if Birch has role security and Hal doesn't, there may be a lot more restrictions by workload rules on Hal because he's not as high as a priority as the security team on getting these, you know, business hour searches done. Wow. Uh, Hal, the... Uh... His name was not Newman in the movie, but uh, Kevin. No, I, I know you're. I know who you're talking about Wayne. Knight. By the way, Wayne it wasn't, it wasn't wow. the Newman guy's fault in Jurassic Park. It was actually the guy who owned the park. <laughs> he okay, was the bad guy on. in the movie. <laughs> okay, hold hold on. This is the Splunk Talk podcast. It's all Splunk, no junk. So let's now talk <laughs> exclusively about Jurassic Park. <laughs> okay, maybe that was my attempt at at a segue. Should we Maybe. say Wayne good night to that topic and switch? Yes. Okay. That's horrible. <laughs> so just to tee off the the conversation of searches, one of one of the new yeah, things good that idea. they finally added into this release is the ability to comment into your SPL. So real comments this time. Real yes. comments. That's tick awesome. tick tick. Tick tick tick. Do you so, do you open and close? Yes. Okay. I haven't actually touched it yet, so yeah, I got to play with that a little bit. So like uh, you can you don't have to have like a dedicated line. You can do it. Um, you can, can you do it in the middle of a, 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 a line or does it have to go all the way to the end or are you smile starting to smile because you're like, I'm not sure I haven't t tested that. I, I haven't tested it, but I, I feel like that would that wouldn't help whoever I wrote the search for to really keep their eyes on. I would on need a comment that, that said, structured. look in there for the comment. Yeah. One of my favorite parts was was it eight uh, When did we add the the context sensitive um, uh, highlighting and reformatting? Was oh. that eight o? Whenever no, that was like I thought that was in seven seven late sevens when yeah, it was like seven or three turned on automatically. That yeah. is so awesome. So now with the comments on top of that, that makes the, for a pretty friendly uh, experience. Jay Weedow. Uh, wants the comments to be on prem, and guess what? You got them. <laughs> it's uh, that's that's part of the eight one release available on prem. Oh, I thought you meant that the comments are on prem. Our they comments are in the stream chat right now. Um, you this could is getting meta. Index those. This is getting meta. Types equals stupid jokes. <laughs> Pipe. This is how I operate. I don't know. <laughs> um. Now, normally we. Can I add? Some, I just saw a pretty yeah, good comment please. here, and I, and I did want to make a clarification about the workload management. Uh, Zovic in the comments says, uh, "But it isn't the but isn't the main usage of index star to explore the possible indexes and source types?" Yes, you're absolutely right. And the answer, because uh, there's a third method to deal with it. You don't have to kill the search. If if you have like a business hour rule for performance and other considerations. Um, if someone does an index star, you can simply deprioritize their search. You can put them into a less resourced pool. You don't have to com completely ban everyone from an index star. If you, ha if you have valid exploratory uh, uh, data staffers, 
yeah, write rules that um, or you uh, could that will support use a T stats search. Yeah, which I'm will a big be, yeah, or your T stats, right? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the metadata command for that for exploring. Yes, I love the metadata command, and and if you not if when you open Splunk, you go to the default app, you see that there's a button to view my my source types and my you read my mind. sources. That uses, I believe, uh, metadata search under the the scenes in order to populate that. Yeah, that was mm -hmm. that was, you know, back in 2012, how I learned about the metadata command. I was like, wow, how is this running so fast? Well, the metadata command only searches the metadata. It doesn't search the journal at all. That's right. There you go. Um, so, you know, usually when there's a major release, we we toss out on Splunk Base a um, like an eight one essentials or or an overview where it like highlights the the new features. Anyone know if that's coming out this year for this release? You know, I'd have to check. Um... Yeah, I hope so. I, I always look forward to those as well. Those are yeah. my favorite ways to get quickly caught up. And if they don't come out, I'm sure it'll be on Greg and I to put out to a nice <laughs> FAQ on what's what's new and great. Yeah, if you go to the release notes for 8.1 that was uh, just published, it, it, you may have to scroll. I think it's defaulting still to 8.06. Uh, but go to 8.1 on the release candidate, and we'll give you the list. There's about, oh, about 21 new things in 8.1. Ooh, any other cool features you want to pick out and and highlight? Um, well, some of the things that are definitely improved uh, in in eight and eight one is your SPL history is now right there when you log in. You just hit the pull down list. You look at your searches and you go, "What did I do before I logged off last night?" Which is you know my favorite thing to do over coffee. <laughs> And you got a, a a complete library of all your search history, which you can open up to an independent search, and and you don't have to worry about memorizing syntax, you know, uh, overnight and that sort of stuff. That's a feature. Um, oh, nice. That I I, I do like. The, you know, there's also been a lot. It sounds like there's a lot of new new brands or new offerings, like observ observability suite, and um, any anything you want to share from from your two perspectives on, you know, how how can I as a an existing customer um, kind of navigate or wrap my head around like, okay, that is now called this. Is there any of that rebranding that we should know about? I, no. I believe we haven't gone full bore with, with suites just yet. I think that's going to be coming in the early um, 21 timeframe. Oh, okay. I think what we can say for sure is that if there's a name that you love right now, it's probably going to be changed. And we can blame marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I thought think I saw. I thought I saw stuff in in Sender's um, session just now where it was talking about like Log Observer and and some new offerings on that, call. Yeah, so, so or we'll like see. Mission Control, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the value prop of Suites will just be to open up all of the tools so that you can choose your your tool of choice for the specific data challenge that you're up against. So if you think about a suite with Splunk Enterprise and data stream processor and something like on-call, um, I mean, that just really is, it's letting you use everything instead of one thing. Cool. Yep. Remember it's, I mentioned a little while ago that you know it's really important you get up to version eight. Here, yeah. Here's an ROI to go to eight. In 8.1, you get a whole new, uh, uh, 
uh, TSIDX uh, compression factor. Okay. Ooh. Not only do you going to eight get a 25% performance boost right out of the box, your storage costs you 40% less per index. 40%? Really? 40%. How did we do that? We turned the GZIP-9. <laughs> we, we upgraded our GZIP? <laughs> I'm not sure. That was a joke. I, I, oh. I don't know the engineering well, I know that we actually did but... add a couple of uh, compression algorithms. And you see them. What people don't realize is that they might be in the product before you're able to turn it on or before it's documented sometimes. And it oh, was one of my favorite. Like a year or more ago, we added some of the newer, more modern uh, compression algorithms. And then we let it bake, you know, and we do all these long-term endurance tests and so forth. And and then, you know, come at conf, you know, new build, we turn it on by default or we expose it or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, so if you, you're having stress in your cl uh, cluster for any reason, like, you know, you're running out of, out of CPU cores, you're you're getting stress on SSD space, you know, for your, your fast storage or even your M.2 if you're if you get extremely fast storage. Um, yeah, you can only get better and better performing when you go update. So any last words on the platform on new stuff in enterprise, uh, you know, DSP, what, what are y'all excited about? Because we need to switch gears here and look forward to a lot of breakout sessions coming up. Yeah, I, I would say just look into streaming ML. I think that is the, the biggest paradigm shift we're seeing in how you approach machine learning. Just being able to drop a uh, a, a function block into a pipeline and then immediately start scoring your data without having to train a model. I think that's one of the biggest things I've seen in this in our in our most recent um, releases. I, I think it's going to change the game. It's going to enrich all of your data as it lands in an index rather than having to go through the tumultuous process of cleaning your data, prepping it, putting an algorithm on it, and then going back and retraining an algorithm later to see that it's still improving what these algorithms they learn and they continuously continuously learn. So I think this is going to be a, a huge heads up um, for any IT or security admin as they start sending loads and loads of data into their systems and they want to get quick insights on it. Awesome. Greg, any last words? Yeah. If you're, if um, I have a background in, in messaging security, DNS, networking security, that sort of stuff. Um, if you're doing a lot of localized threat intelligence and you're mixing in uh, uh, threat lists from some of our common sources, um, really consider using DSP and using this new lookup feature. You have 10 gigabytes on a module or approximately 7.5 million rows, whichever is larger to do these massive lookups and then you can enrich the data right on the streams so when it lands in splunk d you can let's say if you're searching um you know common one spam house or or something like that you could tag uh, spam house equals one every time you get a hit on a hmm. domain name or an ip mm -hmm. space that's uh that's that's been uh threat listed so uh if you're spending the compute anyways to do these large lookups i highly recommend migrating those over to dsp as fast as you can Awesome. And and just b before we close out, are you guys? Do you guys have any talks um, over the next two days that we should promote? Greg and I don't, but we we could have a we have a list and we can send that over to you guys, and maybe oh, you guys can cool. fire them through the chat later. Yeah, put some links in the chat. So wanted to let everybody know in about an hour we're going to be back again. Uh, we'll be talking to Dave McAllister about observability monitoring. So look forward to that. 
hope to see you in the chat uh, and help you know be interactive. Thank you everybody for you know your questions and discussion throughout. We we love that. Birch, rock and roll. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Gio. Thanks, Greg. May the force be Thank with you. Thank you for having us. Thanks right. for having us. See you soon, bye guys.